You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Roman. Now, it's just me, Lindsay, on the mic today for a reason that you've probably guessed if you've looked at the title of this episode. Um, It's just me today because I'm getting pretty vulnerable and real and raw today, and I'm just sharing very openly um, my miscarriage story. And if you didn't know, I I went through a miscarriage around the end of September, early October. Um, And I talked a lot about it on my Instagram. And uh, I took a few weeks off of the podcast. Uh, You had a few episodes with just Evie or Evie and a guest. And um, I knew that when I came back, I wanted to do an episode about my story. Um, Mainly because so many people well, not people, women. <laughs> so many women go through miscarriages and I did not realize that until I was one of them. And I mean, I can get into this obviously in the show, but it's it's stigmatized and it's not talked about enough. And I just, sharing my story on Instagram, I, I had so many messages of people that resonated and that were like, hey, me too. Hey, I'm the one in four statistic. Like, you're not alone. And that's kind of my heart with this episode is to just show up vulnerably and share my story in a way that that if you've been through this hell also, that you don't feel alone or that this gives you permission to, I don't know, just feel <laughs> however you want to feel if you've also gone through it. Or maybe you've gone through another type of heartbreak and you might resonate with my story in that way. Or you might be somebody that hasn't gone through this at all, but maybe you know someone who has, or you're just listening to this episode and you're curious on my story. And I hope in that case that if ever, I, I again, I hope this doesn't happen, but if ever this happens to you or a friend in the future that you just might not know what to expect or know how to grieve with your friend or help them or any of the above. So that's my heart with this episode. I know our show is a lot more business focused normally. I know that this is the, in this, our episode or not our episode, our podcast is in the business category on the podcast, you know, Apple podcast and all of that. I'm aware of that, but I also want to say our podcast name, the name of this show is Heart and Hustle. And we focus a lot on the hustle. Um, but this episode is just going to be 1 million percent the heart. Um, so there's not any business tips here. If that's if that's you uh, and you want to skip this episode, totally understand. Um, I also want to say if you are in a season, maybe you're pregnant or maybe you just recently found out that you miscarried or something like that where this episode might be triggering, then I would just please recommend that you stop if, if this topic is in any way triggering to you because I don't want this to unnecessarily trigger somebody. Um, but I do, like I said, wanted to share it in a, in a way that connects with you if, if that is something that you want to listen to and that you want to feel like you're not alone. But at the same time, um, if this episode is just one that you have to skip, then I just encourage you to do that as well. Um, so I guess without further ado, let's get into it. You're 
You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, so to start off, I think I should probably start just at the beginning and kind of share a little bit of how we got pregnant, or not really, never mind. (laughs) Just realized I said how we, no, I'm not sharing that, sorry. Uh, I meant when we got pregnant. That's what I meant to say. Wow, we're starting off on a good good front here. So we found out we were pregnant. I can't remember the exact date, but it was around the end of July. And it wasn't like a a fun story like when we found out we were pregnant with Eloise. Uh, If you don't know that story, I'm not going to share it here. I've shared it before. It's on my blog if you just want to Google it. Like how we found out we were pregnant, Lindsay Roman, go into Google and Google that. Um, It's a fun story and it has to deal with Evie. So it's like fun if you know us both and then it's like fun. But um, this time I... I had just had an inkling that I was pregnant. I don't know why it just like felt like it. I think it was just in my gut. And then also I was thinking back to the last time I had my period and I was like, that was like a month-ish or so ago. Like, I think it's been a while. Um, So I, one day I just randomly, we had a pregnancy test in our bathroom. So I took it and it was positive. And I was like, oh, here we go again. for those that don't know, I have I have one baby. Uh, she's 16 months old. Her name is Eloise. And so this was our second one. And um, immediately I was like, okay, I need to think of a cool way to tell Andrew because I did not the first time. The first time I just like brought him into the bathroom and I was like, yo, look. <laughs> um, and so I kept it a secret for a few hours. Uh, and then he... he picks that day of all days to start talking about our healthcare um, because he was getting out of the Coast Guard. And so he was like, hey, we need to start talking about healthcare and uh, and what we're going to do um, once I'm out of the Coast Guard and we don't have military healthcare anymore. Um, and so I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. And he's, he's just talking and he's like, well, um, I'm looking at a few places and uh, they don't cover pregnancy or birth if we're pregnant before. So we probably should start signing up like soon. That's literally what he said. And I sat there and I was like, well, crap, I was going to do a whole, like, I was going to maybe wait a few days to tell him and like do a whole thing. But when he said that, I was like, I can't, okay. Like I can't lie. And so I basically was like, well, if you call the insurance company, that conversation's going to have to go a little differently. Um, and he was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you're going to have to be like, will you cover us if we're already pregnant? Basically, I said something like that. And so he was very excited. We went to the beach that night with Eloise and we took some photos just to celebrate. Um, And it was really special. And uh, this pregnancy, I was a lot more nauseous. Like Eloise's pregnancy was perfect. Well, the birth was not, but the pregnancy uh, was like not perfect, but it was it was just normal. I, I wasn't really sick at all. Um, obviously, I felt pregnant, but it, there wasn't any not normal things that happened, I guess. Um, this time, I, I definitely felt nauseous a lot more. And so immediately, Andrew thought it was a boy because um, he's like, oh, it's different. 
than Eloise. It must be a boy. <laughs> um, and so I was nauseous, but I mean, I was still able to do daily life. And um, so we found out at the end of the July. And then in starting around mid-August, I had an elopement um, in Colorado. And so both Eloise and Andrew came with me. So we were doing a lot of traveling. We went to Colorado. And then um, in September, early September, we went to Alaska. Um, I had a shoot there. And then we also met up with our friends. And I remember being nauseous still like throughout all of this. Um, and then, I mean, I, I have this opinion looking back on it, but obviously in the moment, I, I didn't register this, but I, I looking back on the Alaska trip, I remember being nauseous around the beginning of the trip. So like first week of September. And then um, we literally did like a tour de force of Alaska. We went a lot of places um, with our friends. And I remember like the, maybe the second half of that trip, like not being nauseous at all. And that's not necessarily abnormal at all. And again, that doesn't mean anything necessarily, but I just remember thinking, oh, that's so interesting that like, I, I feel perfectly fine. Like I don't feel nauseous. Whereas before, ever since we found out we were pregnant and up until that point, like it had been pretty consistent nausea. I mean, not like every day, but it was still enough that I was like, that's so interesting. But obviously like your brain doesn't go to the worst case scenario. And so that's just where I was at. Um, and after we left Alaska, I had a wedding to shoot in New Jersey. So we went straight from Alaska to New Jersey. Um, we were there just for the weekend, uh, shot a wedding in Cape May. And after that, um, we were originally going to just go straight back to Hawaii, but we decided to make like a, a week long stop in Kansas where we're from because uh, we bought a house there, which if that's news to you, we're moving to Kansas, which is a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah, we're sad to leave Hawaii to, for Kansas, but there's reasons and that's not that's not for this episode. Anyways, um, well, ironically, one of the reasons was to be closer to family with more kids. But so we flew from New Jersey to Kansas and we were planning to be there for about a week. Um, and the day after we flew there, we flew there like the evening of September 21st. On September 22nd, um, we went over to our house and uh, the house that we bought sight unseen. So it was like, oh, hey, nice to see our house. Cool. Awesome. Um, and started making renovation plans with our contractor and our uh, designers or what are they called? Interior designers. Um, and later that day, right when we got back from viewing our house, I went to the bathroom and I saw blood. And at this point in time, if I was understanding where I was, I'm pretty sure I was around either 11 or 12 weeks. Um, and I know it's like you always hear, it's like, oh, it's not super uncommon to bleed in your first trimester. Um, but at the same time, like th that's still like immediately when you see that as a woman, you're like, oh my gosh, like something's wrong. Um, and that's immediately where my head went. Like I literally almost started crying, like in the bathroom. And I was like, Andrew, come here. Um, and he was like, hey, it's okay. Like, calm down. Like that might be normal. Um, and I think because I had never spotted with Eloise during the pregnancy, that's why I was like, okay, it's not normal. It's not at all. Um, and I knew I, I like, I needed to go in to see an OBGYN like right away. I was like, I don't want to wait. Like, 
And ironically, we were in between insurances because, again, my husband had just gotten out of the Coast Guard and uh, we had not signed up yet for a normal or non-military insurance. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, can we like make an appointment with a doctor that would be cheaper than if we just went like straight went to the emergency room, especially if this is nothing and I'm just spotting, then I'm going to feel like an idiot. And then I'm gonna have to pay like a million dollars for an emergency room visit. Not actually a million dollars, but you get it. Um, and so we called, uh, the OGBY, like an OBG, can't talk, an OBGYN in Lawrence where we were at. Um, and ironically, we used to live there. And so like I, I had connections with them. Um, like I had been there before. So my name was still in the system. And so we got an appointment, uh, literally like an hour later after I found out that I was spotting. Um, and the sucky part of this entire story is obviously we're in the year 2020 and COVID is a thing. And so Andrew wasn't able to come with me. Um, they were like, hey, he can stay out in the parking lot, but he actually can't come in with you just as a safety protocol for COVID, um, which just sucks. Like, it just sucks. Um, and I know I'm not the only one that's had to, like, either, like, find out they miscarried alone or find out or just have a baby alone. Like, I know COVID has just screwed with so, so many people this year um, as far as having to be in a situation that you need people and you can't have people and it just freaking sucks. Um, so that's kind of what happened. So I, I went into the hospital, went into the OGBYN office, checked in and they got me in pretty fast. And the first thing obviously that they did was take me to a sonogram or like a ultrasound room. Or is that the same thing? Sonogram and an ultrasound? Is that just like a synonym for the same thing? I think it is. Anyways, um, and so I went back there and uh, I called Andrew on FaceTime just so he could, I mean, kind of be there-ish. Not really though. Um, and I just like, literally, since I saw the blood, I was like, this isn't good. Because again, I had I had thought back to the fact that I hadn't been nauseous for a few weeks. And I was like, that's interesting. And now I'm seeing blood and I'm like, that's interesting. Um, and again, you just like, you don't think the worst is happening until the worst is happening. And then you're like, oh, the worst is happening. Um, but like before that, you it, you don't have any reason to think that. At least I didn't. Um, although ironically, I guess before I get more into my story, ironically, we announced that we were pregnant in Alaska. And the only reason I waited that long was because I was stupid and I wanted to have like mountains in our photos. Like that was literally it. It was the stupidest reason. Um, but when we found out we were pregnant, I literally remember being like, I want to share sooner than like what is quote unquote socially acceptable. Like I don't want to wait till second trimester to share. Um, and I had like a reasoning for that. And I'll kind of get into that later um, in my story. But I I intentionally shared kind of being like, hey, I want to share because if if anything were to happen, like a life is still a life and this baby is still loved. Um, and I think it's so just ironic that I phrased it that way. And then this is what happened. Um, almost like, like it was like, like I sickly knew, like I didn't obviously, but it's like, it's almost like subconsciously I was like, oh, I know this is going to end badly. I don't know. I mean, obviously I didn't know, but 
I'm just word vomiting at this point. Anyways, um, so I'm at the doctor's office and I go in to get an ultrasound and I just have this pit in my heart and in my stomach or wherever that I just know. Like I went into that room thinking that like if she shows me a baby with a heartbeat on the screen, I will be shocked. I'll be shocked because I just, I had this feeling that I knew. And she, I was laying there, I had Andrew on FaceTime and I mean, I'm sure so many women can resonate with this. Just the feeling of having the sonogram go and just the silence of the technician. Just like, you know, and like, I can't even imagine being in the position of the technician who probably has to do that so many times to women. And it's like, what do you do? Like, how do you even say that? Because like, you're the first person to break the news, right? And so I sat there and I saw the baby. I saw our baby on the screen and I saw that he or she wasn't moving. Like, I mean, again, maybe I don't know how to, I'm ignorant and I don't know how to read uh, ultrasound pictures or whatever, but I just, even before she said anything, her silence and just like watching the lifeless image on the screen, I was just like, I know. Um, and then obviously she said the words that no one wants to hear, which is, uh, she's like, I don't see a heartbeat. Um, and obviously like, I feel like, I just knew. And I think because ever since I saw the blood, like an hour before, in my mind, I was like, okay, that's just it. That's it. Because I think I didn't want to be hopeful in the event that then I got those words. And then I was like, oh, but I was hoping. So I don't know. I hope people relate to this. Um, It just sucks. It just sucks, sucks, sucks. So then um, I start crying obviously. And she leaves me alone to like talk to Andrew on FaceTime. And then she takes me into uh, a room where like, then I actually get to see the doctor. Um, and I had to wait like 30 minutes, which I, I get they're busy. Um, but it was just, I'm just sitting there crying. And again, like the last thing you want is to be alone. Like I just wanted Andrew. I just wanted to hug him. And I was just talking to him on a freaking screen. Uh, line up the reasons why I hate COVID. Um, anyways, (laughs) um, and then the doctor comes in and he's, I mean, I'm sure he's had a million of these conversations as well, but he's understanding. Um, but he's also very like doctory, you know, like very cut and dry, just very like, Hey, um, this is what's going to happen. This is what you can expect. Uh, it was not your fault. Like nothing you did happen. Like, cause obviously (laughs) when I got, when I, we heard like, oh, there's no heartbeat. My immediate thought, which is what you do when you hear this is, okay, what did I do? Did I drink too much coffee? Oh no. I like, I hiked to an ice field. I hiked eight miles in Alaska. That, that did it. Like all these things come rushing through your brain and they're not necessarily, they don't make sense. Like they're not logical. It's not like I hiked a freaking mountain and that's what ended the life of my baby. Like that's not it, but like, that's where our brains go. That's where our minds go. Um, and Andrew literally knew that. And so uh, Andrew was like, hey, can I ask him a question? Because again, he, I'm just holding him on FaceTime. Um, and Andrew was like, did, I, I just want you to like tell her to make sure or ask you like, it was this due to coffee? Like, was this due to hiking too much? Was this due to traveling? Was this due to working or, or whatever? Like all the, all the reasons that your brain says that it's your fault. 
And obviously the doctor was like, no, it happens to everybody and not everybody, but like it happens a lot. And oftentimes you don't know why. Um, and then what he told I just remember him telling me, well, when you go home, just expect like the heaviest period of your life. And Lord almighty, I wish they would just freaking tell you that just like, expect to birth a baby. I wish they would just point blank say that. Um, like, I, yeah, anyways, I'll get into that. Anyways, um, yeah, he was like, just expect a lot of cramping and a lot of bleeding. And then, uh, I don't know, basically he was like, if your body doesn't do it naturally, you can have the DNC, which is the surgery or, uh, a medication that basically induces your body into labor that helps like your body come along if, if it's not naturally like going into labor. Um, which again, like, I wish they would say that. They don't even say that, like, your body will go into labor. But, like, just because the baby doesn't have a heartbeat anymore, like, your body still needs to birth it. Like, that's literally what happens, and I wish they would freaking tell you that. Anyways, I can get off that topic. Um, but, so, the worst part is that I didn't remember my blood type. <laughs> and I remember him asking me, and I didn't know. And I think if you have a certain blood type, you have to get a shot for some reason. I literally, I'm not a doctor. I don't remember why. Um, and I didn't remember it. So I had to, he was like, I need you to go uh, get like a blood sample or whatever in the lab. And like, I, the last thing I wanted to do was stay in the freaking hospital. I just wanted to go home. I wanted to see Andrew. I just wanted to get out of there. And after I got that news, I had to wait 30 minutes for the doctor. And then after that, I had to basically pay for the appointment because we didn't have insurance. And I remember leaving the room um, and waiting in line. And obviously everyone's spread out and it's kind of busy. And I'm just like waiting in this, in the OBGYN waiting room. And I'm looking around and every single woman is pregnant because it's an OBGYN, I get that. Um, and I'm just like, I have to wait in this line to pay for a freaking appointment that just said that your baby's dead. Like, that's what it felt like. And I remember getting up to the counter and the lady, she doesn't know what's going on at all. So she's being her nice little self. Um, and she was just like, hey, do you have a, an insurance card? And I was like, no. And I'm like literally trying not to ball. Like you could probably tell something's like kind of up. Um, and she kept asking me questions and I was just like, just take my credit card. Like here, take it, take it. Um, and she was like, here, one second, let me go check something. And so she like went back and then comes back. And I think they told her that like what the news was. And so then she was like, hey, just like go, we will mail you. Like you don't have to worry about it right now. Um, but like at that point, I was literally bawling. And so I like basically ran out of the OGBYN, OBGYN, I can't talk, the OBGYN office just bawling. Um, like, in front of everybody else that's pregnant sitting there. And that's, and then I had to go down to the lab and wait there. It's just, it's just hell. It's just hell because Andrew's not with me. And I remember going into the lab and like, they don't, they're just trying, they're just having a great little day. And I remember the lady that's taking my blood is like, how's your day going? And I'm just like, I literally was like, not well. Like, I, I was like almost about to cry again. It just, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Um, and finally, I get my blood test and I, they're like, yep, you're good to go. And I literally like ran out of the hospital and Andrew picked me up and he just hugged me and we cried. So that was September 22nd. <laughs> um, it sucked. 
And then what nobody tells you is that that's like the beginning. When you hear of people that have miscarriages, you might hear like, oh, they lost a baby. And you're like, in your mind, when you don't, haven't been through it, like, this is what I thought. I didn't know. Um, it's just like, in your mind, it's like, oh, it's an event. Like, oh, okay. Someone was alive and now they're gone. Okay, cool. But it, with a miscarriage, it sucks because your body still has to go through all of this crap. Like, you have to, I mean, you bleed. Uh, I could, I don't want to get too graphic, but I also want to be honest um, because I, I almost wish I knew this information before it happened to me. Um, so just, if you've made it this far, I just thank you, first of all, for listening. And I just want you to know, I want to be honest. Um, and I'm going to try not to be too graphic, but I also want to tell the truth and I want to be vulnerable and I want to be honest. Um, and so since that was like the day that we found out the day that we had that doctor's appointment, that was the very, 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 very beginning of me starting to bleed. Um, so I think that was right when they kind of registered or what, right when my body registered, oh, okay, um, we need to like birth this baby because it's no longer living. And so what we did was we obviously extended our stay in Kansas because um, I asked the doctor this. I was like, hey, I don't live here yet, ironically. Um, and we were going to go back home like in a week. And he was like, if you don't pass like have the miscarriage, which basically means pass the baby, which literally means birth the baby. That's what I wish, again, they would tell you. Um, basically, if you don't birth your baby before you go home, he was like, I would not recommend traveling that far because you don't want to miscarry in an airplane. Um, and at the time, I was like, if I'm just bleeding, what's the difference? Now I understand. Uh, yeah, you don't want to miscarry in an airplane. That would not be fun. That would not be ideal. Um, and so we extended our stay and we just canceled our ticket and kind of waited it out. We didn't schedule uh, our ticket back to Hawaii until, basically until everything had happened. Um, and so I just, I remember I kept just bleeding. Like, it wasn't like the worst period of my life, but it was just the longest period of my life. Like, that's what it felt like. It felt like I just kept bleeding every day. And it's like, you can't get over the emotions. You just sit there and you lay down and you cry and you're just reminded every freaking time you go to the bathroom that like death is coming through you. Like that's genuinely what it feels like. And I remember after, I'm trying to think, because we found out on September 22nd, I think it had been like a week and a half. And I remember the doctor said, if you don't pass the baby by then, then, um, then like you might need to try either getting a DNC or taking the medicine or the medication. Um, and I really wanted to try to have my body do it naturally. Um, I'm usually a fan of that. Uh, but at the same time, like I could have taken the medication right away if I wanted to, which hindsight, I maybe would have done that. Um, because I feel like my body was just trying to do it naturally for like a week and a half and it wasn't really happening. But because no one tells you, no one talks about this. And because I had never had a miscarriage before, I had no freaking idea what to expect. So I'm sitting here just like bleeding kind of casually every single day. And I'm like, okay, well, is it, is it like done? Um, and I, after a week and a half, I remember the blood slowly started. Again, I'm trying not to be graphic. <laughs> um, I remember it slowly started drying up and I was like, it feels like it's done. But like, I mean, I kind of cramped. I, can't, I mean, 
Like I was, I literally sat there and I was like, I literally don't know if I've miscarried or not. Like, and I would talk to people, I like friends that had had a miscarriage and they would be like, oh no, you know, like the baby comes out. And I'm like, what? Like, obviously, but no, again, no one tells you this. Um, And so I'm sitting there and we're talking with the doctors. We're like calling midwives, like we're calling everybody. And we're just like, how do we know if I've passed it yet? Like, it's just so, it's a mind F. I'm not going to cuss on this show, but like, it's a mind F is what it is. That's the best way I could describe it. Um, And again, I'm trying to navigate this with no insurance. And so we were really, really, really trying to avoid a surgery. Um, and so after a week and a half where it seemed like it was done, um, we got a few recommendations and like one midwife was like, I think that you're probably, you've probably passed it and you just don't even know. And I'm like, okay, that just doesn't feel like right, but okay. Um, and then another midwife, we were asking everybody, another midwife recommended that we, uh, go get an ultrasound just to see if the baby was still inside. Um, so that's what I did. I booked an appointment at like a separate space from the hospital, just like a a pregnancy center um, to get an ultrasound. And it was so freaking weird filling out the paper. It was like, why are you here? And it was like, "Um, to see if my dead baby is still inside me. Like, that's literally what I had to write. And uh, I remember doing that. Obviously, that was not as traumatic because I knew what to expect. Um, And so we got that ultrasound and she was like, yeah, uh, your baby is still inside. Um, so I was like, okay, great. I've bled for a week and a half and it's still not done. Perfect. Or maybe it was like two weeks at that point. I can't even remember. But so after that, we were like, okay, let's take the medication to hopefully induce my body into labor. Um, and so I did that. I took it the morning of October 3rd. And that was the day that I actually like miscarried. And it's so weird because before that I was like, how do you know, like, is it possible to miscarry and not even know it? And now I'm like, oh, no, you know, you know. Um, And uh, for anyone that doesn't know what it's like or is curious, um, again, I'm going to try to not be like super graphic while also telling the truth. It's And especially having gone through labor before, like having a kid. Like if you miscarry and it's your first kid, I like you have no idea what labor even feels like. and the best way I can describe it is like, it, it's basically like your body starts cramping, i.e. like goes into contract contractions. And I remember I took it, I took the medication in the morning and it took until like, I think one or 2 p.m. to like really start cramping, like really hard. And I was like, wow, this kind of feels like labor. Um, and it got to the point where it was so hard. I went into, uh, and again, we were staying at our friend's house this entire time. Granted, their house is very homey and we love them and are close like family with them. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But I remember I went up into their bathroom and I, like just what felt the most comfortable was sitting on the floor or not sitting, laying on the floor, like on the cold bathroom floor, just like cramping and listening to worship music. And I remember the feeling of like a pop. And then like, it felt like I peed my pants and I was like, oh my gosh, my water just broke. And like, again, no one freaking tells you that, again, that's why I wish the doctors would just freaking tell you that it's labor. Like, it's labor. <sighs> I'll just be on my soapbox. Um, but yeah, so my my water broke. And it's very clearly like, that's what happened. Um, and so then I like took my clothes off and I got in the shower. And 
I miscarried. And if you don't know what that means, it's such a weird even picture to describe. Like, because it's not, I don't even know how to describe it, honestly. It's like I was standing in there in the bathtub and I just like let the water run. um, And like just blood clots just kept like coming out. And sometimes I squat, I squat, I squat. I I did not squat well. Um, Wow, I can't talk. Just give me a minute. (laughs) I was squatting sometimes. I was standing. um, And then Andrew came in and just like held my hand. And we just literally blasted worship music. um, Because that what sucks is that it's literally a birth. Like you're giving birth. Obviously, it's different depending on how like many weeks your baby was grown, but ours was nine weeks. At least they measured nine weeks on the ultrasound. Um, even though I thought I thought it was like 11 or 12, which in my mind kind of explains why I wasn't nauseous for like that second week of Alaska. Um, but that's just, that's maybe me speculating. I don't know. But um, he just held my hand and I, I don't know, being in the tub felt the most comfortable. And I remember thinking, I want to be in the tub. I don't want to just do this on the toilet because, like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what, like, our baby's going to look like or if I can even see him or her. Like, I I literally didn't know what to expect. Um, And after, like, 30 minutes of just, like, blood coming out, like, they would stop a little bit and then it would, like, more clots would come out. Um, Finally, I was squatting and our baby came out and, um, I knew right away, uh, this is the hard part. Um, it looked like a baby. August, which is what we named him or her, um, was nine weeks. And at nine weeks, you can see their head. You can see both of their eyes, um, their little face and, uh, all 10 fingers it's a baby. It's a human being. And I just remember it. I don't want to call August an it, but it's hard when you don't know if it was a girl or a boy. Um, August came out and I just broke. I broke. I broke down. Um, Andrew doesn't cry. Uh, he doesn't cry like ever. And he's cried two times in his life. One, when I was in labor with Eloise, and two, on August 3rd, when, not August 3rd, sorry, October 3rd, when we saw our baby laying there on the tub floor. It was hard. It's like, how do you continue with your day after that? Uh, After that, we, it feels so, like, morbid, but we picked him up with a little plastic spoon. Um, I'm saying him. Because we thought it was a boy, but we don't really know. It could be a girl. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to say him. And we put him in a plastic bag. Um, and then we put him in the freezer so he wouldn't, like, get, I don't know, like, how, like, I don't know. He would be safe. <laughs> safe isn't even the right word. But um, we wanted to do something with him to commemorate or just to memorialize him. And so um, we planted a tree. A few, like, maybe like a week later, uh, we got a redbud tree and we planted it in the yard of the house that we bought. And we did that because we, we, it just felt 
right. It felt right to name him. It felt right to commemorate him. Um, because I think when a baby's born and it's alive, like everyone celebrates, everyone's so excited, everyone rejoices. Um, and we talk about it a lot. And when a baby doesn't live, especially one that like no one got to see, we don't talk about it. We shove it under the rug. We, you know, in society, it's stigmatized. And I didn't want that for my story or for August. Um, and so we, we buried him in our yard and that was really hard. Um, and that redbud tree, hopefully if it's still alive, <laughs> uh, we had to go back to Hawaii. So hopefully it's still being watered, uh, by Andrew's mom. Mm -hmm. Andrew's mom, if you listen to this, if you could water our redbud tree, thanks. <laughs> um, um, but every spring, the redbud tree that we get, well, most redbuds, I think, uh, bloom with like beautiful pink flowers. Um, and I don't know if we really thought this through, but it kind of makes sense to me. Um, I was due in April. And so that kind of makes me happy that like every spring, that tree will bloom. Um, and that's what we wanted for August. We just wanted to do something that would honor his or her life that, that, that would allow us not to forget, not that you can really ever forget something like this, um, but we wanted to do something like that. We wanted to interrupt this episode real fast to chat about counseling. Now, counseling is so often stigmatized in a negative way, and it absolutely should not be. Because Evie and I so firmly support counseling in all stages of life, we were so excited when BetterHelp, an online counseling company, reached out to us to be a sponsor on the show. We were able to try it ourselves for a bit and our experiences were incredible. I was even able to go on and fill out a full list of information about myself, my desires in a counselor, including religious beliefs and more. I was matched with an amazing counselor who shares my worldview and I absolutely loved the ability to put preferences like that down on the questionnaire. Something else we genuinely loved about BetterHelp is that they offer four ways to get licensed counseling, video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. It's honestly incredible. If you've been contemplating counseling but are feeling lost on where to start, we definitely recommend BetterHelp. We both had great experiences with them and have so many friends also loving their services. So we have an affiliate link for you today for 10% off your first month. Just go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash heart and hustle. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online resource shop, ooh, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop, like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add was contract templates. Y'all, the horror stories we have heard in our years of business is unmatched and a little terrifying. <laughs> clients refusing to pay after you've delivered a service, clients demanding their retainer back after canceling on you last minute. The list goes on. Business shouldn't feel like you're walking on eggshells though. And yet that's how most of us feel when we first start our business. We're petrified to make a wrong move or have an unhappy client. Okay. But here's the truth. One of the first foundational steps of owning your own business should be protecting yourself legally with contracts. Yes, yes, even for friends and family. Contracts allowed us to walk in confidence as we grew our photography businesses. But also hiring a lawyer to create custom contracts for you is a pain in the butt and the wallet. And grabbing whatever free or cheap template online is often not enough protection. 
Yes. So we wanted to make this as easy and seamless for you as possible and give you the resources to make sure you have your butt protected. We have partnered with our favorite lawyer and attorney, Paige, from the legal page. She has not only created powerful contract templates, but her team is so present and ready to help figure out which ones you need for your business. You can stack our contracts in our shop like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation and rescheduling bundle, second shooter and associate contracts, and honestly, so much more. Just head to theheartcontracts.com for 10% off. That's theheartcontracts.com. So yeah, after that, um, I still kept bleeding. Um, obviously, it stops a lot, but I mean, that's that's like the the base of it. And I think what really makes this part hard is knowing how similar miscarriage is to abortion. Um, and I don't want to really touch on this a ton um, because it's it's such a tender topic and it's it's so emotional um, from everybody. Like everyone's emotional about about children and about just this topic. Um, but I think the reason that I personally wanted to hold off on taking those the medication for so long and I wanted my body to do it naturally is because again, what no one tells you is basically the medication that you take to induce labor. Um, if you have an at-home abortion, they have you take two pills. They have you take the first one, um, which is called mifepristone. I think that's how you say it. Um, as Planned Parenthood's website says, it stops the pregnancy from growing, which is a real nice euphemism. Um, obviously, I didn't have to take that one because my baby was already gone. Um, but if you're doing, if you're having an at-home abortion, you take that pill and then you take the second one, which is, uh, I think misoprostol, misoprostol, something like that. Basically it's, it's what puts your body into labor. And that's the one that they give for miscarriages. Um, if your body isn't doing it naturally. Um, and I think I wanted to hold off taking that because in my mind, (laughs) it was like, not that I was having an abortion, but it's like it's like just so sickly twisted and it's so closely knit. And it also made me so sad for people that that do have an at-home abortion because they they say, oh, again, just like my doctor said, it's gonna be the worst period of your life. You're gonna cramp, you're gonna have some bleeding, but then it'll be over in a few hours. Um, you'll have some tissue come out. And it's like they don't they completely gloss over the entire fact that it is a birth. And obviously the reason that they don't say that is because that would be validating the life of the baby. So obviously they don't say that, but I'm not afraid to say it because that's what it is. It's a birth, um, whether the baby is alive or gone. Um, And that's what was really, really hard for me personally. I think this issue kind of like ties into why in our culture we're we're encouraged to kind of like keep a pregnancy hush hush the first trimester mainly because you don't necessarily want to share your news and then just to have to take it back um and that's kind of honestly the reasoning why I wanted to share in the first trimester in the first place even before we knew that we miscarried um because I wanted to validate that life and I know 
so many people don't share for that exact reason or a myriad of reasons. And who knows if when I get pregnant again, if and when I'll share, I, I don't know. So I, I completely understand why people don't share in the first trimester. Um, and when I did share that, I had a lot of responses, even from people that said like, hey, I miscarried in my second or my third trimester. So it's like, even that first trimester isn't always safe. It's not like, okay, I made it to 12 weeks. Awesome. Let's announce. Okay, great. I'm in the safe zone. It's like, no, like life is so precious. And miscarriage, even though it's more likely to happen in the first trimester, it can still happen. And I think like as women, we get into this mindset that like, oh, okay, we're not allowed to share. We're not allowed to validate that life until it's quote unquote safe um, to do so. And I, I think that almost even attributes itself to the mindset in in the industry or the in the abortion industry even of of not looking at a life or not looking at a first trimester baby as a human being. Um, there's a lot there that I could unpack, but again, I don't want to get too uh, much into this topic. If you want to DM me, I'm so happy to chat. Um, I'm really passionate about this, and I was before. Um, a miscarriage, and I'm really passionate after it. There's nothing like seeing your nine-week baby on the tub floor and seeing what people think is pregnancy tissue. Um, yeah, it's just, it changes your perspective. I mean, it didn't change my perspective. It like, it really just solidified my perspective. Um, but I think, I think it is so sad that in our culture that we're, we're afraid to or maybe not we're afraid, but we just, I think we don't want to share until it's safe. And it's like, it's never really actually safe. Um, and that's why we shared before. And even though this was our story, I am i don't regret it. I don't regret it one bit. And I don't regret the fact that I gave people and family and friends and everybody such an exciting news just to take it back. Um, and the other thing that I think is so beautiful about that, even in the midst of suck and in the midst of hell, is that by announcing and sharing and not keeping it in, I was able to have so many family and friends and honestly, even strangers on the internet lift us up in prayer. And I genuinely cannot thank you enough. If I don't know you, like if we've never met and you sent me a message on Instagram or you prayed for me, I had so many messages from people that we're just like, I've prayed for you every day. And I just want to say thank you because you have no idea how much that meant to me. Um, you have no idea, especially the people that like, I didn't even know, like the fact that strangers on the internet were praying for me, just, it really, truly blessed us. It, it blessed me. And I'm so, so thankful. I'm thankful for Every single person that just sent a message or was praying and he maybe never even messaged me. Um, so just thank you. <laughs> Wanted to say that. I, uh, a few weeks after we, I miscarried, we finally were headed back to Hawaii and I had it on my heart to, like, it felt like God kept urging me to post a picture of August. And I kept, going in my head about that because I'm like, okay, that might be crossing the vulnerability line online. Like, I don't want to be that person that's just like completely bearing it all. Like, I think that there is a boundary 
and there should be a boundary a lot of times. Um, but I just felt like God kept urging me and he was like, I want you to share the picture of August online. And I went back and forth so many times because I was like, okay, people are going to think that I'm freaking doing this just for attention or that I'm doing it. I don't even know why. I just like had so many fears. And I eventually, I posted it on the day that we got back uh, to Hawaii. And it was ironically the day that is, I think, pregnancy loss or pregnancy and infant loss awareness day. I think that's October 15th. Um, and it just, it felt right. And the Holy Spirit was just like urging me to post it. And I was so nervous. It, I've never been more scared to post anything in my life. Um, but I made a post. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you want to see it or read it, um, if you scroll down on my feed, you'll see like a cream colored graphic that has the name August Roman on it. And that's what it is. And I guess I can get into why we named our baby August. We named him or her August because August is like kind of a guy's name, but it's gender neutral enough. And since we didn't know the gender, but we kind of thought it was a boy, that's kind of the first kind of reason. Uh, second, we found out we were pregnant at the end of July. And I'm assuming that we lost August somewhere around the beginning to middle of September. And so I looked at that and I'm like, okay, August was the one month that our little life was growing and that our little life was beautiful and alive. Um, and I really loved that. And we really loved the name August. And so that's what, that's what we named him is August Roman. Um, so if you want to see that post, just look for that name on my feed and you can do that. Uh, but I also completely understand if you don't want to. Kind of slowly wrapping up here, I wanted to real quick talk about, because I think something practical that other than my story, that's just been a very vulnerable word vomit up until this point. Um, I wanted to give you guys something tangible that if you haven't been through this would hopefully be helpful. Um, because I've had friends go through miscarriage before I did, and I genuinely didn't know what to say. And it, when you're on the other side of it, it feels like anything that you say is wrong. And especially when people tell you what not to say, then you're like, okay, well, there's so many things not to say. Like, I don't even know what to say. So I get it. Like, it, it's hard. Um, and it's such a unique kind of grief. Like, all grief is awful and sucky. Um, I, but miscarriage is, like, so unique that... And so many people go through it and don't feel like they can talk about it. And that's, if that's like their choice, that's totally cool. But it's like, it's like, you don't know what to say. And like, I don't know, there's so many things that I could think of. Um, like the first thing is don't ever ask a woman like, oh my gosh, so when are you guys going to have kids? Because if you don't know them very personally or very well, oftentimes like, again, the statistic is one in four women miscarry. And so you have no idea if maybe they've miscarried if before and you're like, oh, when are you having kids? Like that could be so hurtful. Um, so that's just like the first thing I thought of. Um, the other thing I thought of that isn't really helpful to share uh, when a friend or, or somebody goes through miscarriage is giving them an at least statement. So things like, 
hey, at least your baby wasn't too far along. Like at least it was it was young or at least, hey, you have kids or you have a kid already. Uh, at least you are young. You can get pregnant again. At least you're successful or you have a husband or you have a house or whatever. Um, I think in general, at least statements are not helpful. Um, I, feel, I joke that nothing good follows the words at least <laughs> um, because it's it, what it feels like to the person that's miscarrying is that you're minimizing the grief or you're minimizing the loss. And especially in the thick of it, you don't want that. I can just say from experience, you don't want it to feel minimized at all. Um, some other things that I don't, and I'm not saying this necessarily from experience. Um, I don't really know or remember if people said this, these to me, so I'm not at all, uh, pinpointing or like telling people like, or like harping on specific people that may or may not have said this to me. I'm just saying from experience, from seeing it, uh, around, these are the the things that I would not recommend to say. Um, something else is that everything happens for a reason or, God doesn't give us anything that we can't handle. Um, And I say those because when you're outside of it, absolutely those things are true. Like, duh, obviously, sure, you can believe that everything happens for a reason. And yes, I can also believe that God will not give me anything that I cannot handle. And so while those might be true, just don't say those to people if they're in the thick of grief. Because even if it's true, that's not the best thing to say. Like you want to solidify their grief or you want to like validate it. You want to say, hey, I'm so sorry. Hey, I'm here for you. Hey, it sucks. Hey, here's a hug. Like that's what you want or that's what they need. Um, And trying to either minimize the loss or, or say, hey, it's okay. You're strong. It's like, okay, I know I'm strong, but like, I need you to validate me. I need you to say it sucks. I need you to sit with me in the suck and just be there, right? You know? Um, And so those were a few things that, uh, that I've just like from experience and just, just don't say that. Don't say it. Um, also don't minimize or don't compare uh, a loss of a baby to a loss of a pet. Just don't do that. Just <laughs> don't do that. Uh, what I will say, oh, another, another thing to not say is what can I do for you? A better way to phrase that is like, Hey, I'm doing this for you. Because I think what, what a lot of people don't realize is when you're in the thick of it, and when you're in it, you, you don't know what you know. You like, you don't know what you need. You don't know, like, it's like, hey, what can I do for you? You know you need stuff and you know you need help. You know you need prayers. You know you need stuff. But it's like you're putting the mental thought to to think about that on the person that's mourning. And just from experience, so many people were like, hey, what can I do for you? And it was so loving. But I remember being like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, even Andrew was like, what can I do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um And so I think what's really helpful if you know somebody that's grieving or that has just miscarried or has just lost somebody is just do the thing for them. Like just assume. And maybe that might be not, again, what everyone would say. But I think in general, someone's mourning, instead of asking them what you can do for them, just be like, hey, I'm bringing you dinner. Um, If you want to see me, great. If not, I'm gonna leave it on the front porch or something like that where it's like, hey, I'm just doing this for you. I'm not asking you if I'm gonna do it. I'm just doing it. That was so helpful to me um, when I had friends or family just like say that or do that for me. That was just incredible. Instead of just continually asking, hey, what can I do for you? What do you need? And it's like, I don't know what I need, uh, but I need something, you know? Um, So other things that, because I've just told you like a lot of like, hey, what not to do or what not to say. a lot of things on the flip side that I think were super helpful 
for somebody that's grieving a miscarriage or, or a loss is just for somebody to send gifts, send them a thoughtful text, schedule something like schedule dinner or schedule a massage for them. Like don't ask them if they want it, just do it. Um, because that to me, at least that was just like, oh, they care. Um, if they, they texted me and was like, Hey, can I show up at this time? Like, you don't even need to do anything. Like, I'm just going to sit there and, and if you want to hug me, great. Like, cool. I was like, yes, thank you. Um, so just like give them a hug, like, you know, sit there in the thick of them. I think that's what people need the most if they're grieving is just people to sit in the suck and be there and say, it's not fair, but I'm here with you. I think that's the best thing you could do. And then another thing that I want to say is don't forget. I think when you find out that your friend has lost something like a baby or just has lost someone close to them. I think what's common is everyone says and does stuff right away. They, they, it's like an on, onslaught of love, which is amazing. Um, but the thing about miscarriage specifically is that usually it lasts a long time. And for me personally, my bleeding from the moment that it started to the moment that it ended was about a month, which is insane. Um, but that's how long it was. and. I was really appreciative of the friends that would check on me like on week three or four, like after everyone quote unquote had forgotten, like obviously they probably didn't forget, but it's just really, really helpful to have those friends that pop in and say, Hey, I I haven't stopped thinking about you. Hey, I haven't stopped praying about you um, or for you. Hey, do you still need anything? Well, maybe don't say you need anything because I just said, don't say that. But um, just checking in and saying like, Hey, I'm still thinking about you. I'm still praying for you even like months later, because I think what a lot of people forget is like life might've moved on and you might've personally moved on from that person's news, but they didn't. And they're still sitting in that suck sometimes. Um, And so that's really helpful. I think that just like checking on them and not forgetting about the loss or not like just saying something right away and then like forgetting about it later. Someone, a friend sent this to me and it was a really, really, really good analogy for grief. So I wanted to share it here on the podcast because it it gave me like literally the best analogy for grief that I've ever seen. And granted, I really haven't experienced like insane grief until now. Um, I've never really had a death in my family that was super close to me or just like pain in this way. And so when when he shared this with me, it was it was really, really awesome. And it was tweeted. Um, and I'm not sure who tweeted it, so I can't credit. So I'm not, I'm so sorry. But um, it was basically a picture of a box and a ball. And it's like there's this box, and inside of this box is like a big bouncy ball. Maybe not a bouncy ball, just like a kickball or whatever. It doesn't even matter, it's just a ball in general. Um, and immediately after you lose someone or you go through grief or pain or heartbreak or something like that, the box is, you know, average size. And the ball is so big that it pretty much fills up the entirety of the box. Like it's a really big ball. It barely fits in the box. And imagine this square box has a pain button on one side. Well, as you're carrying that, if the ball is so big in that box, it's going to hit the pain button a lot, right? As it's jiggling around in the box. Um, And that's kind of what grief is like at the very beginning, like right after you have like experienced it or, or found out about the loss, right? You're in the thick of grief and the ball is hitting the pain button like almost incessantly. It's like all the time, it feels like you're drowning, which is kind of why 
when someone does go through miscarriage or loss immediately after, it's like, you don't care about anything. You just, you're in pain. You cry all the time. You're just like basically gone to the world, right? I felt like that was a really good example. And then as time goes on, that ball gets smaller. But it's still obviously bouncing around in that box. But obviously, it's just bouncing along. And every so often, the way that, you know, geometry works, it'll hit that pain button again. And that pain button, it feels just as hard as it did, right? Like at the beginning of grief, even though it might be like six years later. And the ball, even though it's smaller, doesn't hit the pain button as frequently. But when it does, it's still just as bad, which is a really good analogy, I think, for how grief doesn't go away. It's always with you. And that's a lot of people told me that right after we miscarried is that like, I'm going to feel this forever, which (laughs) kind of sucks when you like someone tells you that it's like, oh, great. Okay, cool. I'm gonna feel this forever. Great. But I, I get what they mean. It's like, as it gets more past, like as it's more in the past, your ball is smaller and you'll have so many good days. But then that one day that it hits the pain button, it like almost sends you right back to like right when it happened. Um, and I wanted to share that analogy with you just because I thought it was such a beautiful picture of grief in general. And just, it really, it really helped me feel validated uh, in, in having bad days, especially when you're like, when you're years beyond, I'm not even years, this was just happened a few months ago for me. But if, if you've experienced loss or suffering or something like that years ago, don't feel guilty for having days where your ball hits the pain button. Um, it's going to happen and that's okay. And you should give yourself grace for that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that either. So I wanted to share that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to share, and we'll put this in the show notes is a few days after I miscarried, I asked all of my followers for songs that felt like just like life-giving or somber or, or healing. I think I said healing. Healing is probably the best word to describe it, but I was just like, Hey, is do you guys have music, whether it's worship music or folk music or just like lullabies? I don't even, I didn't say lullabies, but um, anything that's just like feels healing. And I, I put them all together and I made a playlist and I called it August. Um, and I put it on Spotify and we'll leave the link. I wanted to give it to you guys too, just if you want a good playlist for uh, sad, <laughs> sad morning. That sounds so weird. But uh, if you want a playlist that's healing, and it's not like I really created it. I just basically curated it from all the suggestions that people gave me um, to what I really personally liked the best. So I'll leave that link in the show notes for you to that playlist. And I kind of want to end with, there was one song that was like my lifeline. Um, I listened to it like every single day. I listened to it when we buried August and it was, it just touched me. Um, and it really, really, God spoke through it to me. Um, so I wanted to share it. It's called The Story I'll Tell. I can't talk. The Story I'll Tell um, by Maverick City Music. I know that song technically is sung by a lot of different people, but I really personally love the Maverick City Music version. Um, they're just a great worship band. And ooh, it's just like you can feel the Holy Spirit alive uh, when they sing. And so... Um, that song is in the playlist, but if you just want to like Google it, uh, you can, but I wanted to read the lyrics a little bit because they're so powerful and they spoke to me so much and they're what I'm believing, what I was believing in the midst of it and what I'm still believing. 
So here's a little bit of the story I'll, I'll tell. Um, the hour is dark and it's hard to see what you're doing here in the ruins and where this will lead. Oh, but I know that down through the years, I'll look back on this moment and see your hand on it and know you were here. And I'll testify of the battles you've won, how you were my portion when there wasn't enough. And I'll testify of the seas that we've crossed, the waters you parted, the waves that I've walked. Singing, oh, my God did not fail. Oh, it's the story I'll tell. Singing, oh, I know it as well. Oh, it's the story I'll tell. And I I love that song because it gave me such hope in a, in a season that felt completely hopeless. In a season that felt like it was just going to continue on and on and on forever and it would never get better and it would never just, I, I felt like hopeless and it gave me hope in that season of hopelessness. Um, it also allowed me to see purpose. Because um, when something like this happens, it's like, God, why? Why? Like, why? <laughs> um, and it just, it was a lifeline when I was going through miscarriage. I, I loved listening to it. And I, I believe with my whole heart that while my pain is hard, it wasn't supposed to be this way. And that God creates beauty from ashes. He brings redemption from destruction. He brings life out of death. I mean, he's a good God whose heart for his children is fullness of joy. And I know that death is a part of this world because of sin and sin because of Satan. Yet I still wholly believe that God uses the pain and the heartbreak and the suffering that we go through in this life because of sin. And he always brings good from it. Always. I believe that with my whole heart. And I just wanted to empower you real fast. If you've gone through miscarriage or some other heartache or some other loss that just plain isn't fair, your pain is not in vain and your story is not over. And God will bring beauty from ashes. Um, I, August's life was short, but it was not in vain. And though I never, ever, ever imagined that this would be my story, I don't think anybody does until it happens to them. I fully believe that God is using August's life to touch people's lives. Like, I pray that. I hope that. I'm living that, I hope. <laughs> um, and I just, I know he will because that's who God is and that's what he does. He brings beauty from ashes. He brings pain, or sorry, he brings hopelessness to pain. I can't even talk. He brings basically hope from pain. There we go. Um, and to me, that's the story I'll tell. No matter what you go through, no matter how hard it is, if you give your pain to Jesus, if you give your pain to God, he will bring you through and he will redeem it. And he will not let your story die in vain. This is not the end of my story. This is not the end of August's story, even though it is the end of his life or her life. Um, I believe that with my whole heart. And I'm praying that I can use this story somehow to bring hope and bring redemption to pain, to such a dark world. And that's, that's my hope. That's my prayer. And whew, okay, we're, we're over an hour now, but uh, if you've stuck with me this whole time, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know this was such a vulnerable episode. I know this was not normally what we talk about at all. Um, but like I said at the beginning, this podcast is called the Heart and Hustle podcast. And we talk about the hustle a lot, but Half of it is the heart. And I wanted to bring that to you today. Um, 
I just pray that this this episode touched you. I pray that my story touched you, whether you resonate because you've felt this too or gone through this too, which I would never, ever, ever wish this on anybody. But um, if you have experienced miscarriage, I pray that this um, and, and just made you feel not so alone. That's my hope, honestly, is that you feel not alone because you're not. And so many women go through this. Uh, so many women go through this and we don't know. And that's not that's not saying that they should always tell. That's just saying that it's such a prevalent thing. And I wanted to use my story to hopefully let you know that you're not alone. Um, when I went through it, I had I had so many women come to me and tell me, they've gone through it too. And I was shocked. I was shocked. I'd had students, past clients, like friends that I never, ever knew that that happened to them and how common it is. Um, And so I just wanted to, I wanted to share this. I keep repeating myself, but I wanted to share this in hopes that you don't feel alone. Or if you haven't experienced this, God, wow, thank you so much for listening to this entire thing. Hopefully that wasn't too graphic in the middle, but I hope that it, one, maybe opens your eyes to what happens in a miscarriage, that it's literally a birth um, and how hard it is for a woman that's going through it. And maybe hopefully gave you some perspective and things to do or say for them. If, if you have a friend going through this or God forbid, if it happens to you in the future or if it happens to a friend in the future, um, I hope this just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just hope it, <laughs> I don't know. I hope it gives you uh, just a feeling of not being alone and that your story isn't over and your story isn't in vain. That's kind of all I have for you. Um, I think I'm just going to leave it with that. (laughs) Um, If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please DM me. I don't care if you screenshot it. I mean, you can screenshot it, sure, uh, and share it, but I want to know if it's touched you at all. Um, Please DM me or email me. I want to know your stories and I want you to know that you're not alone. And that's, that's where I'll leave you. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to my story.